Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. We are slowly developing things, and in the process, there's some hiccups going on, but uh, this is our third week actually gathering together. We've got people outside. Can you hear me outside? They can hear me outside, and I can hear Grandpa Bob outside. Uh, So again, we are gathering together. We are outside. We are distanced inside. We are trying to be safe still. As things are moving forward, it is our intention to do so in a way that does keep people and their safety and health in mind. But you guys are invited to join us, and so hopefully you can. A couple of announcements. One, this whole process of changing over to being online has uh, forced us to uh, buy equipment, um, develop equipment, things that we're doing. Um, and that has been able to happen because of your tithes and offering. And so I forgot to mention this, I think the last couple of weeks, but if you would like to give to continue supporting Genesis, here are the ways that you can. You can do it online, on Zelle, Venmo, or you can even mail the checks in here. Those are all ways that you can continue to support and worship God and what he is doing through us here at Genesis. So please remember those things. Also, this Friday, we are going to be taking meals to the nurses at San Antonio and the staff at the ER. Um, That's going to happen Friday. I forget the date, 26th, I think it is. Um, So if you would like to donate towards that, I think it was about 600 and something dollars for 70 meals. Um, You can Send your donation in there if you want to tag it towards that. Do so. Otherwise, we are going to use our funds to do that. We just feel that it's something that is important to do. Uh, Keeping them in our thoughts and prayers and what they are having to go through. Right now, my daughter said that things have slowed down as far as COVID is concerned, but they are back to normal and everything else. But if The things I'm hearing about the spike coming are going to happen, and I pray they don't. Then they are going to, again, be pretty much overwhelmed as they've been in the past, and we want them to know that we have not forgotten them. And so this is one of the ways that we can help with that. Another thing I want to mention is on Sunday the 28th, Hitchburger and Grill is doing an Easter basket giveaway at their location location in Rancho Cucamonga. 
and they are in need of volunteers. If you would like to help, go there and put things together in Easter baskets for the kids. They're giving out two baskets per family, and they're giving out other things, food and such, for those people who will drive through their um, restaurant place at, I think it was 4 o'clock. We will have more information, but this is a heads up to you. If you would like to be involved in helping people at this time, and you're saying, what can I do? What can I do? Here is something you can do. We will post the information on our social media, so you will have to kind of check in with that. We will remind you again on Wednesday about that, and even next Sunday beforehand. Um, I'm not sure what time they're going to meet to set things up. Maybe you could come here and then go straight there, eat lunch at Hitchburger and Grill, and then help them out. Um, I don't know how many people they help out, uh, but it's quite a few. And so they could use our hand. They're taking volunteers. Um, and I wanted to mention that to you. Also, one of the things that we are trying to lean into, and we're just a little slow in how we're doing everything right now, um, but we want to extend kindness. We want to kind of uh, start a kind pandemic. And we are doing that even right now. Jordan uh, brought some postcards here that are on the table inside. They're postcards that you can write to somebody that you're thinking about, send some kind words to them, let them know, hey, just thinking about you, how are you doing? You can write them a poem if you want to. You can draw a picture on it if you want to. And it already has postage on it. You don't even have to put a stamp. You just need to fill it out and take it. Jordan has already put the stamp on it. He licked every stamp and put it on there. No, we don't do that anymore because that spreads disease. Um, But every postcard has a stamp on it, so all you have to do is pick one up and send it out, and um, Jordan is doing that. And if you don't know, Jordan has a podcast, and I'm forgetting the name again, Jordan. What is it? Prospectal. If you want to look at Jordan's podcast, go on iTunes and look up Prospectal, and you can find it and listen to him there. Good stuff. Okay, that's all the announcements I have. How's everyone doing? Guys doing good? Good. Hanging in there? I hope so. I want to hopefully this morning help us to be aware of how much God is doing. And we're really trying to kind of dissect, I I gave a little overview last week of, of this awareness and this alignment and this action part of our life. And and if you recall, we've talked about a number of times how God is always present and God is always at work. And if that's the case, and those things work together, really, if that's the case, then we could do better at detecting it, being aware of what it's, when it's happening. And, And I think that that might seem like a simple thing, but if you're like me, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at detecting all the things that God is doing, being aware of those what we've called kairos moments. Now, there are some moments 
that I am aware of. There are moments that life feels just drenched with God. And I can think about at certain things, and one of the, I guess, moments that stands out for me is at the birth of all my children. Right? Those are just overwhelming moments. Now, I don't know if Corrine has the same feeling about those moments as I do, because she had a different seat at those events than I did. You know, but for me, those were powerful moments. Her might, hers might be like whale watching in Hawaii, right? But these moments that were powerful for me, there, there was only three of them, and they didn't last that long, again, my perspective, but only three events. But then I was thinking about this, right? For me, it is these three moments, but there are 385,000 children born in the world a day. And that breaks down to about 250, over 250 a minute. That's over four children born every second. So what for me is these few moments is actually moments happening multiple times every second. And if these are awareness of God, drenched in God moments for me, and I know it's not the same for everybody, but if these kinds of moments seem distant to me, they're actually happening all the time, everywhere. I'm just not aware of it. And even if your Kairos moment is whale watching in Hawaii, there are whales jumping all the time. We're just not filming them or on boats watching them, right? And the whole point is that these things are happening and what seems rare to us, and thankfully, maybe sometimes, are actually things that are happening ongoing all the time. So maybe when we think of a Kairos moment, instead of thinking of things that happen a few times in our lives, we should think what's happening a few times every second but maybe we're just not aware of it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28, Jacob is running away from his brother Esau because he just stole his inheritance, his blessing. And Esau is planning to kill him and Rachel knew it and told Jacob he needs to leave. And so Jacob is on the run. And in verse 10, we see Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you 
and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. We see that he names that place Bethel, which means house of God. Now, this story is telling us something about the culture that Jacob lived in at the time, a culture where they saw dreams like this and what they meant to them. Where if we had a dream today, we might not put this much into it, but Jacob did. For Jacob, this was a Kairos moment. This is something that happened to him and was overwhelming, and he marked it later by making a little altar to God of some stones, putting some oil on it. And think about it, dreams happen every night to some people. I mean, I guess we all have dreams, but some of us don't retain them. But for Jacob, this was something special. It was a dream that made him aware, right? I wonder if we had that mentality of things that jumped into our mind. If, you know, maybe we wouldn't build an altar of stones, but an awareness that something is striking me. Jacob had an awareness and he said, this is God speaking to me, telling me something. And so he marked it. He was aware of it. He detected it. Now, Jesus lived his life in this awareness of God's presence, right? And he would say, my father is always working and my father is at work. And to this very day, I too am working. So there was this constant awareness. God is always working, and I too am working. I I am lining my life up with him and the things that are happening. I want to look at another passage in 2 Samuel chapter 12. King David has impregnated Bathsheba, killed her husband Uriah, to cover up his wrongdoing. And in chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, he grew it up with him like his children, and it shared his food, drank his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Kairos moment. It's you. 
an awareness of an event came through the, the prophet Nathan to David of something that had happened, and this was an awakening to what had happened. David, from this point, repents, and we see the awareness of this thing, the acknowledgement of this thing, the, the addressing it in his own life take place at this point. And so we've seen with Jacob, there is a dream, awareness of God's presence, doing something mighty in his life. Here there is awareness of God's presence, but it's confronting him with something that he did in his life. I want to look at one more passage in Luke chapter 24. Two of Jesus' disciples are on the road to Emmaus, and you're probably familiar with this story. They are talking with each other, and then Jesus joins them, but he's veiled, he's hidden. They don't see and recognize him, and he starts asking them, what are you guys talking about? And they're saying, have you been a stranger? Don't you know all the things that have happened? And Jesus says, what things? What things are you talking about that have happened? And he starts telling them about Jesus, or they tell him about Jesus, and he says, don't you understand what was supposed to happen? How? This was talked about from the scripture and Jesus expounds the scriptures to them. And in verse 30 of Luke 24, they invite him back to sit down and eat. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? and open the scriptures to us. This burning heart, this awareness, something is going on. Now, remember what we've been talking about, this whole idea of grace and truth that we are operating in. Grace is God's giving himself to us in relationship. Jacob, in his dream, God is giving himself to Jacob in the dream relationally. David, God is giving himself to David through Nathan. He is pushing into him. Here, the road to Emmaus, the disciples, God is walking with them in, in relationship. And the same thing with truth. Truth is not just facts. Truth is God's revealing of reality and calling us to participate in it. So to Jacob, the truth is God is doing something not only in you, but through you and is going to do it in this region and bless the whole earth by it. The reality for David is you've sinned, buddy. This is where you are really at. You might be playing that you're over here, but you are really right here. And God is asking David to participate in the reality that God is in and that David actually is in. And here, the same thing with the disciples. He is calling them to participate in this new resurrection life. You know, when people ask, well, do you believe in the resurrection? I believe in the resurrection every time I participate in the resurrected life. 
Every time I act as Jesus acted, every time I do as Jesus did, every time I walk with Jesus, I am affirming the resurrection. I'm participating in that truth. If I say I believe in the resurrection but do not continue living in the life that Jesus lived, then I would question what that truth really is and what it really looks like. I would say a person can deny the resurrection and believe it in their head but not show it in their life, and they deny the resurrection by not showing kindness, by not showing mercy, by not showing grace, by not extending themselves to help in time of need, I say you deny the resurrection because you are not living in it. You are not participating in the truth of what it is. And so we stand on these moral high grounds. I believe this. I believe this. But you deny it in how you live. What does scripture say? Your hearts are far from me even though your mouths are saying something else. You see, the idea of kairos and awareness, even if it's like David who says, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. God says, it's not fine, it's bad. And David says, I have to deal with it now. This is the importance of awareness. Jesus says he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone opens the door, he will come in and eat with them and they they with him. We don't beg for God to act. We just open the door. Because God is acting, working, speaking. It's being aware of it. And it's easy to say God's always working, but it's another thing to perceive and participate in that work. Jesus often talked about having eyes to see and ears to hear. How do we develop spiritual eyesight? How how do we detect God's voice and movements? How do we train our spiritual ears to hear the whispers of God in our everyday life? How do we learn to see and hear how God is present right now in the very moment. Because if we don't step into this, we slowly become dull in our hearing. We slowly become blind in our ability to see and perceive the life that God has for us. And our, our senses become less and less aware and attuned to those God is in the moment, right? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 1, or Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. We keep coming back to this passage because it is trying to bring the good news close to us. One way to define the kingdom of God is to say it's simply what God is doing. Right? Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God, God is doing something near us. We might say things like, God has revealed himself to me, like Jacob would in the dream. Or our God has spoken to my heart. Or our hearts were burning within us. Right? All, all these metaphors assume that there's this other world that is just as real as our normal world. The world we are engaging in. And typically just beyond our ability to perceive. It's happening, but in this other dimension. 
And that other world is God's kingdom and the events that open a portal for us to perceive and to participate in God's kingdom are these moments, these kairos moments where something happens. I'm aware the the moment is drenched in God and it shouldn't be just the big moments. You shouldn't have to have a baby to have a Kairos moment, or you shouldn't have to have your wife have a baby. I should be more clear on that. I didn't have the baby. She did. Now, we've already seen that the big things are pretty, you know, actually common, that these things happen just maybe not to us. And God is definitely present and at work in these, but most of our lives don't feel like this. If we only have senses for God's activity and present during the special events, then we're left to live most of our life on our own, guessing what God is up to and trying our best in our own strength. And people say things like, you know, I want to know the will of God for my life. As if there's this book that has everything that God wants for your life written down in it, and you've got to get that book. And I just don't think it works that way. We don't get that kind of information, right? It shows up more like someone having a dream. It shows up more like someone talking to you about something that's going on or something walk, someone walking with you and explaining things. It shows up more like those things than hearing something from God saying, this is what you're supposed to do. Go to the store and buy groceries, right? We want it to be like that. But we believe God is always present and at work, including the ordinary, the mundane things of life, that God is at work even in those things. And these are the places in which we need to learn to detect what God's doing. So most Kairos moments don't seem like big deals. Usually they're everyday, ordinary moments in our lives that become counterintuitive. They become on-ramps into noticing the activity of God within us. And you're probably aware of these things in your life. In other words, these things happen and you take notice because that's what they are, events that force you to take notice. A song or a scene in a movie, right? It, It captures you. It draws you in. It pulls your emotion into that. A passage of scripture jumps out and speaks to you. You're consistently feeling irritated about something. That the trash doesn't get emptied. Or the dishes are left in the sink. Probably read a lot of my life into these things. You can't stop thinking about a a conversation you had earlier in the day. It's just kind of rotating there in your mind. It just keeps repeating. Something's wrong. You're being made aware of that. A conversation where you had an aha moment, or maybe an uh uh-oh moment, right? Like a three-year-old, uh-oh, something happened, and you think, oh, that wasn't good. It catches your attention. You have a fight with your spouse where you blow it, you lose your temper. 
Now it's eating at you. You find yourself avoiding someone or seeking to impress someone. You see someone, you go, ah, there they are. That's telling you something. You're, you're being made aware by how you're feeling. Or someone's there and you get, oh boy, there they are. I hope they notice me. You get anxious every time you need to talk to someone about a certain subject. It creates anxiety. You don't want to step into that conversation. A conversation reminds you of something you promised but forgot to do. See, all these things are kairoses. They're all moments where something is happening, catching your attention. But how do we deal with them? When you think of these kinds of examples, notice that it can be positive or negative. Right? It could be like Jacob. It could be like David. It could be something good happened that you're aware of, something bad happened that you're aware of. It can happen in a crowd. It can happen when you're alone. It can be in public, private, but most often it will be something small that just catches your attention for a split second. You feel it. It, it, It's different than the way you feel most of the time. Something about this stands out. And you probably catch some of these Kairos moments in your life, but if you're like me and most people, what we do with these moments is not lean into them. What we do is either try to excuse them or fix them, right? You don't typically interpret them as places where God might be at work, and so you struggle to respond to them in a way that opens you up to actually being changed and transformed. For example, if you notice that you get really annoyed at other people for maybe their incompetence, right? It's like, man, they're just not doing a good job. They're just bad at it. And you may just chalk it up that that's my personality. I'm just kind of OCD in these things, and I'm really meticulous in how I get these things done. Or you might say, well, you know, I just haven't eaten today, and so I'm a little bit angry and kind of upset. Or you might think you're justified. This person is just incompetent, and, you know, I have a right to be angry because they're terrible at what they do. But what we're doing is we're explaining away the moment as normal, right? I, I am faced with this. I feel this. It affects me. And I just say, oh, it's happening because of this. Now I don't have to deal anymore with it because I've just given it some answer in my mind. It's because that's who I am. It's because that's how they are. That's the end of the story. Let's move on. You feel bad about it later and you hate that you maybe reacted in anger or something like that, Uh, uh, that could be another example. You let the anger get the better of you, and you lash out in a hurtful or insulting way or maybe even in a passive-aggressive way, and now you're thinking about it. It's bothering you. You respond by making it a point to, you know what? I shouldn't have been upset, so I'm going to fold the laundry because that's the only thing I know how to do. And I'll do more chores so that it shows I'm sorry. And you know what? I'm going remem- to memorize five scriptures on how not to be angry. Notice that what we're doing is we're trying to fix 
the Kairos moments so that they don't happen anymore. I'm giving an answer for it, I'm giving an excuse for it, or I'm doing something to remedy it instead of embracing it as an opportunity to lean into. An opportunity to be aware of. And what happens in these moments is we don't allow them to to seep into our lives and actually start to transform us. You see, you're being upset about the trash or the, the dishes or the argument or whatever it is for a reason. It's showing you something in you regarding these situations. And if I just excuse it or if I blame it or if I'm going to wash it away with some scriptures, I'm not going to allow it the transformation that it needs to take place in my life. Explaining away and fixing it are just two of the ways that most of us automatically respond to Kairos. And neither one is helpful in opening us up for transformation. So our problem is that we're already doing something with these moments, but what we're doing is not truly effective for change or renewal in us. We're we're gaslighting the Kairos moment. We're, We're stopping it. We are shutting it down before it starts to penetrate into our lives. We detect it, let's deal with it. Not detect it and let it deal with us. And there's a huge difference. You know, a lot of people I've talked to through this past year, are really going through some difficult times, depression, loneliness. And what happens when you feel lonely, right? You have this haunting feeling of being alone that just scares you. It's like, I don't want to be alone. I don't like being alone. I feel alone. And so then what you tend to do is you throw a Bible verse at yourself. God's always with me. There, it makes it better. There, I'm not alone. I'm okay. Right? You had a sensation, you had a feeling, and what you did is said, oh, it's okay. I don't need to deal with it. And there's a difference between using God's love to fix our loneliness and being lonely in the presence of God's love. Right? Can you see the difference? Because it's huge. Again, there's a difference between using God's love to fix our loneliness, God loves me so I'm not alone, than being alone in your feeling, but also in God's presence and his love. When we use the idea of God's love to spiritually bypass our loneliness, it's tragic, it it, It buries it and it doesn't heal it. But if we will trust God's love by reckoning with our loneliness, everything changes. Because then we start to see, why am I alone? Why am I feeling this way? What is happening inside of me? And that forces me to move into this to maybe make some changes. In my life, well, maybe I need to be more 
friendly and outgoing to to some people. Maybe the reason I'm home and alone is because I don't call any of them and say, hey, let's go grab a bite to eat or a cup of coffee. And I know it's been hard through a pandemic, but maybe the loneliness is part of my doing, but I'll just bypass it if I throw a verse at it or just ignore it or use God to kind of, again, gaslight it and, and take it away. Right? We want to actually be lonely in the presence of God because you know what? You are lonely and that's okay. You are afraid. Don't throw a scripture out and say, there, it's okay. I don't need to be afraid. The Bible says, don't be afraid. No, you are afraid. Be afraid and be aware of God's presence in that fear and let that fear speak to you. Something's going on. What is it? Why? Instead of shutting it down, I remember being at a pastor's conference one time and one of the pastors got up and they started saying, you know, when it's time for me to give a, a, a sermon, I set aside a certain amount of time and I don't allow any distractions. You know, they, I don't take any phone calls. I don't take any visitors. I, I don't, you know, come outside. My, I lock myself in for this time because, man, it is my time. It's my due diligence. It's my responsibility. It's my stewardship. There's a word for God to do this. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, that sounds very good. That sounds very good. And then when I was an assistant pastor and I was doing some studying, I didn't have the liberty of saying I don't take any calls I don't because that was the pastor's liberty. Mine was I'm the guy who gets the calls, right? So I'm there and I'm studying and then someone says, oh, you know, Sam, there's someone here. Uh, they need to talk to a pastor and they can't talk to the other pastor because he's in his time of study. And so I'm the pastor, you know, and I'm thinking, well, okay, I can't do that. And what I found is more often than not, the interruption was actually God speaking to me through the circumstances of that people. Why would I shut that out? Why would I try and make this something that, okay, this is how it works. This is how life doesn't work that way. The interruption was actually the kairos. Hearing the problem was actually the revelation Leaning into life actually helps me to live. Now, I understand there's responsibilities and delegation is important. We can't just, you know, go answer every phone call and do everything. Sometimes we have to say no. Sometimes saying no is the way to say yes to what God is wanting to do somewhere else. But we also have to realize that life is full of these interruptions, is full of disruption. It's how things are, and this is where God is at work. I remember one time Judah, when he was younger, and he couldn't open doors yet because he was too small. And he was living there at the house, and I was having my study time, and I think it was a midweek because I remember I felt really pressured to try and get things done for that time. I think I was in the book of Revelation too, and I was freaking out because, man, this is kind of a tough chapter. I've got to deal with this chapter, and I hear his Flintstone feet coming through the floor, right? Because he's just kind of do 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 do, and he's coming to my office. And as he's coming to my office, my door is open just a little crack, and I leaped over and I shut the door. Don't judge me. Because I thought, oh man, he's going to come in and he's going to just wreck havoc. 
He's going to demand my attention. He hits the door, and he says, Appa! He started saying, Grandpa, and he starts pounding on the door because he can't reach the, da- the door handle. And I have this moment, and I just think, oh, what am I doing? I'm not that important. He's not a problem. He's not an interruption. It's a moment. I have to sit in it and deal with it because it's revealing something in me. If God's always present, working and speaking, then how do we make ourselves available to listen? The first thing is detect. Don't correct. Simply notice what's happening. Name them as, this is a moment. This is a kairos. You can call it something else if that word sounds weird to you. This is a moment where God is moving into me and refrain from explaining it away or fixing it. Refrain from just that reaction to take it out of your system. This is in orbit in my life. I need to just get it out. Refrain from trying to do that. I want to read something by Paul Stevens. He says, if God has come in the flesh, and if God keeps coming to us in our fleshly existence, then all of life is shot through with meaning. Earth is crammed with heaven And heaven, when we finally get there, will be crammed with earth. Nothing wasted, nothing lost, nothing secular, nothing absurd. All are grist for the mill of a down-to-earth spirituality. Because Christ came in the flesh, he always comes to us in our embodied existence. Because Christ is risen and the spirit has been poured out, we can actually live a life that is constantly interactive with him, We can inhabit a down-to-earth spirituality, but this doesn't come naturally to us. It has to be learned and practiced. And it starts simply with noticing. Take note. Learn to pay attention, or we'll walk through life asleep, unaware of the thin places that brush our souls throughout our days. God longs to use these opportunities and others to usher us into deeper moments and awareness of his kingdom by engaging and entering into our own lives more fully we learn to pay attention and participate in what God is doing among us and through us I have homework for you this week Your homework is to practice paying attention. We're going to have a whole lot more to say about what repent and believe means. Repent is actually a wonderful thing. Not a bad thing. So be aware of these moments. For example, I tend to get defensive when I feel criticized, right? that's a less helpful way of seeing things than I argued with my wife because she criticized the TV show I was watching. 
right? One is just, oh yeah, here it is. This is what I do. The other is, oh, this is what's happening. I'm arguing because she criticized the show I watch. How many of you ladies watch murder mysteries? Do you guys watch, do you guys like this? <laughs> just, there's, anyway, I'll go there another day. Again, don't try to do anything with the moment. Just sit in it. Don't explain it. And don't fix it by rationalizing. Just notice them with curious compassion. They can often feel embarrassing to admit, even to ourselves. Might seem silly, might seem trite. Just gently name them as a Kairos moment. And be ready to learn more about how God shows up in those moments. What we desire is to live lives in an awareness that God is working. To live in this grace and truth. The reality that the kingdom of God is near. And so we need to repent and believe this good news. And this is a starting point. Let's pray. Father, I believe that most of us actually do think that you are always working and always speaking. But I know many of us do not feel that you are working or speaking to us. We tend to think that you do that in other people's lives. People who are important or people who are pastors or are people who have certain qualities. We, we see ourselves in that other category. But the truth is that you have always leaned in to everybody to the fisherman, to the tax collector, to Zacchaeus, to the Samaritan woman. That you are always speaking, whether to Jacob or to David or to the disciples or to us. So may we develop a sensitivity, Lord, in how to detect your voice, your spirits moving, our hearts prompting, the agitation within us. May we see these as crossing points where we intersect with the kingdom of God and not see them as things we need to silence and get rid of whether it's good news or bad news, may we sit in that news and understand it and allow it to transform us by the power and working of your spirit. Maybe there is something that I said this morning that struck a chord with you. Maybe it was an example. Maybe it was 
mentioning a situation that you immediately identified with. Why? Ask yourself, why that? What was it about that thing that stood out to me? Don't dismiss it. Don't answer it. Question it. What does it have to say to you? And maybe it's pulling you into a place where there is a need for repentance. There is a need to address it and say, you know what, this is something that's happening and I need to bring about change. And maybe this is the voice of God bringing that change about in me. If that is the case, ask, what is that change? How does that change look? Maybe it's something that telling you, I need help here. I, I need to get some counseling or I need to get into a program or I need to reconcile with somebody. Take those moments and let them marinate in your life and grow and change who you are from the inside. I trust that God is going to speak to us and work in our lives through all these things. Lord, we ask you would in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember the postcards here to pick one up, fill one out. Send it to somebody you're thinking about. Maybe that's a Kairos moment for you. Remember, we're going to be helping the nurses on Friday and make Sunday the 28th available if you'd like to help in taking out or putting together some Easter baskets. Um, we'll have more information for that. And remember, Easter's coming up April 4th. I don't know what that's going to look like. We're going to do all that we can again to keep distanced and safe. We'd love to see you, but we are so concerned about everybody's health. So please take care of yourself. May the Lord make you aware of his voice. May you listen to his spirit's prompting. And may you realize how much he is doing in your life. God bless you. Love you. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you soon. Bye. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.